All right, welcome to the Two Sons Podcast. Uh, extra bright and early this morning. What was supposed to be a 7 o'clock start, but we had a, a little bit of a, a, a hiccup. I had to run all the way back to my house and back, so now it's 7.40. And, <laughs> uh, and we're a little a little late. A <laughs> little, little time crunch based on our original plan. But uh, uh, today's going to be fun. We're going to be doing um, Thrawn Treason. Luke finally finished it. Oh, finally, after was, one week. <laughs> yes, Luke made me wait an additional week to, to, to get going on Thrawn Ascendancy, which I'm also excited to talk about eventually um but i thought this was a really important book on a bunch of different levels it was it left things in a way at the end that i think is is interesting as it pertains to the eventual ahsoka series that's coming um but i want you to start us off so because it's been a little while it's been it's been like eight days since i finished reading it so why don't you start by giving me your impressions of the as you were finishing the book yesterday First of all, I think it was the best book out of the three. Yes. Uh, I think the first book was the second best, and then the second book was the third best. Um, I loved it. I thought it was true form with with Thrawn. Uh, And also, they made it tie into Rebels a lot. In a bunch of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So so, um, as this book is ending, it's pretty much leading into the final battle uh, of season four, the mm-hmm. season finale. And actually a lot of makes a lot of stuff makes sense because um, Palpatine specifically mentions that he wants the chimera to be used to make like a, like a, not like a throne. He talked like, I forget what the specific word was that he used, but if you guys remember in rebels um, where Ezra's up on the chimera and Palpatine's trying to, pull him to the dark side by like showing him his family inside of that, that like structure that was built oh, onto yeah, the chimera. That, yeah. yeah that's so, right. uh, in this book specifically, they mentioned that, you know, Palpatine wants to use the chimera to, to do that for Ezra mm, yeah. for a special room for Ezra Bizzer, uh, Bridger. Yeah. yeah I, re- I remember that. That's, that's interesting. Cause I'm rewatching rebels right now. So I'm getting exposed to all of these little connections. Like for instance, yesterday I watched the first episode with the purgle and oh, yeah, uh, they are literally uh, uh, swimming. The the um, Phoenix Squadron is trying to get into basically a lake, a space lake of Klaus on thirty six, which is the same type of. Oh fuel. yeah, I didn't even pick that up. Yeah, yeah. that makes and sense. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, and I appreciated that Timothy Zahn took the time to connect all that stuff because, like, basically the 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 rebel uh, the group of rebels saves this Pergil uh, swarm or whatever from a mining company yeah, that mining is mining guild. the clouds on 36 and shooting at the whales. Yeah. And so essentially it establishes the connection that leads to them basically getting their lives saved at the end of the movie. On a uh, side note, I think the Pergils, it's almost like, um, whatever technology they use for ion cannons, I feel like the Pergils can, can use because when the Purgles brush up against the Star Destroyers in, in the finale of Rebels, it's almost like they incapacitate the Star Destroyer like almost immediately oh, really? when they touch them. It's really cool. So I wonder, I, I don't know if they'll get into it in Star Wars, but it's almost like the Star Destroyer is being hit by like a really intense iron Like cannon. electrical field. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which makes sense because if they, like when they, remember when they jump to hyperspace, they like light up a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that the whole, but yeah, anyway, I was watching that part and I was just like the, the, the level of detail they went. Cause in this book, the general premise of the book is 
there's debate in the budget, the imperial budget, as to whether or not to divert funds towards Stardust, right? Which is Director Krennic's project, or towards uh, Admiral Thrawn's, or can Admiral Thrawn keep the money for his Tie Defender project, right? And essentially, what happens is Ad, uh, Director Krennic is not meeting his timelines as a result of these things called uh, Grawlics, which are basically like giant Minox right. that are uh, that are feasting on their shipping lanes. Right, and um, he basically challenges in a meeting with Palpatine. It's like this intense meeting with like it's like it's like Krennic, Thrawn, Savit, and um, and uh, Tarkin, yeah, all in this meeting. And like at one point, Palpatine's like, "I tire of you and your political squabbles," <laughs> like you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. uh, but basically, uh, they, they it turns out like if Thrawn can solve the Grawlicks problem in less than a week then he gets to keep his funding. But right. if he doesn't, then Stardust gets all of his funding. And these Grawlicks are basically feasting on deliberate releases of Clauson 36, yeah. uh, which are intended to draw in the Grawlicks. And it turns out that... It's Admiral a huge Sa- scheme. It's a- yeah, Admiral Savi is like stealing from these shipping lanes because he doesn't be- he doesn't believe in the, the Stardust project and right. where all this stuff is going. It's, it's all uh, very uh, interesting, but it's like the book stays... I think this is why you and I enjoyed the first book and the third book the most. This book stays very focused on the Imperial Navy and the dynamics at play, whereas mm-hmm. the second book turned into just a Thrawn, Anakin Skywalker slash Thrawn Vader. Just gallivanting. Gallivanting through, through the Nun regions. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, this was like true true Thrawn where there was a problem and then he ended up identifying issues that no one even knew existed, which yeah. is so classic Thrawn. Like the book opens up and then they're looking at the Grawlicks, you know, flying through and attaching to ships. And then what 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 they what they make it look like is these Grawlicks attached to ships and they're they're harvesting whatever they want, like energy, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, they thought that that caused the ships to uh, go into hyperspace earlier than what they wanted, which is obviously incredibly dangerous. So, um, And then Thrawn spends probably, I don't know, a couple hours there, and he realizes that that's not even what's happening. Yeah, and, oh, he figures it out immediately. Right, yeah. and, then, and then so probably millions of dollars have been wasted on on uh, things getting stolen or lost. Space dollars? Space, space dollars, uh, yeah, <laughs> dollars, <laughs> credits. <laughs> Space, <laughs> space units, uh, <laughs> credits being credits being lost, uh, and they think that they're just being you know jettisoned into hyperspace when it's really not the case at all. And then and then of course the Grisks. Yeah, so I there were three major angles from this book that I wanted to hit. Um, there's the Thrawn benevolence piece, which I want to get into a little bit more because he once again like this book starts very similar to this to the first book where in the first book. There's some debate as to whether or not Eli Vanto is being held back by Thrawn. Turns right. out he's not because he gets a lieutenant commander gig like towards the end. Um, and then in this one, same type of deal. Commodore Pharaoh gets promoted and is supposed to be given her own command. Right. But before she gets a chance to do that command, Thrawn stalls it. And the whole book, you're like, uh, you're wondering if he's screwing her over. But then at the right. end, he like literally gets her the 11th fleet. I know, he gives you her know, an entire fleet. Yeah, he, she gets an entire fleet. So the point is, is like I want to get into his benevolence a little bit, but I'll save that to the end. The okay. other two things that I wanted to get into was the dynamic between Thrawn and Palpatine and loyalty, yeah. and, and then the Grisk. That's an odd dynamic. So let's start with the Grisk. Mm-hmm. So I hinted after the second book, that the Grisk reminded me a little bit of the Yuuzhan Vong yeah. in the sense that um, they're this villain that's an alien race that is that has a conquering mindset 
that is not force using. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Now there's that's where the comparisons pretty much end because the Yuuzhan Vong had living ships. The Yuuzhan Vong were voids in the force. Like if, they, if that was the case, they would have Vader would have picked up on that in the mm. second book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some differences there. The Grisk though. They uh, they don't believe in like massive capital ships and flotillas. They believe by like death by a million cuts. Yeah, they believe in subverting um, uh, r- alien races by basically at- attacking something they care about and, and using them. and weaponizing that to like basically enslave entire right. races. And then they almost aliens. have like tiny little armies of of other aliens. Yes. So in this book, the Grisk make a legitimate insert uh, whatever you want to call it like uh invasion into imperial territory right so does uh does that it change your mind at all as to whether or not the grisk will be a future villain in star wars or no yeah i think i think they will be i really do i i think they're really cool first of all the idea of the grisk is is super neat and the fact that it's uh another alien race that's dominating and powerful and cunning uh, I think it, it really sets the stage nicely for like this unknown villain that most people don't know about. And I think it sets the, sets the stage quite nicely for casual viewers to, to meet them. Oh yeah. And like, they're, they're just different. We, we talked about this, like star Wars has been intent and I disagree with this as a strategy, but star Wars has been intent on, on trying to like build a new direction for star Wars that goes beyond the conflict of the Jedi versus the Sith. Right. Where I don't agree with that. Cause that, 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 being overplayed was not the issue mm. the, th- the stuff that was overplayed was like the empire stuff the the palpatine stuff the the s- planet killing weapon stuff like yeah. that was the stuff that was overplayed right but that said they've gone in two distinct directions with these books they've gone with the grisk and then they've gone with the nile in the high republic right in the nile it's like they're uninteresting because they're just a band of raiders they oh really? D- d- I, I like them. I, I find them interesting. Cool. Yeah. I find them interesting uh, from the standpoint of uh, Markion Rowe and the but, paths. But but yeah, like when like when when you're reading those books and it's like oh Nile Fleet is there, you're like okay, well it's just a bunch of drugged up raiders. But it's like the Grisk though. It's like more like, cunning. There's all this stuff. There's there's cunning involved. They blow up their ships. Like there's a moment yeah. at the end of this book where like two uh, uh, Admiral Aralani uh, borrows um, Thrawn's Tie Defender Squadron and uses them in conjunction with her one small ship against two larger dreadnoughts right. and, and kills them both but at the end like all she has to give an order for the tie defenders to flee because she can see that the ships are starting yeah, to self-destruct yeah and then they blow up because the grisks like try to leave no trace of their uh, existence right when they, or when any of their technology behind. yeah they try and remove all technology that could be examined mm. the grisk are so interesting to me because i know so little about them like, exactly like e- even when you're reading about the grisk you like do a quick google search of what a grisk looks like right and i still don't really even know yeah like they've got some cool looking fan art you know for, like rendition fan art is incredible dude fan, yeah, we were just talking about fan art this morning with uh with a uh, star destroyer that jason had found that uh, that he's going to use for his his set. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, fan art is incredible, but I still don't know what they look like really. And I can only envision what they look like. I, uh, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because my guess is that that would be an interesting... So let's say for instance, um, okay, Ahsoka is in Mandalorian season two, correct? And in Mandalorian yeah. season two, at this point, we know that Moff Gideon die, doesn't die, but is captured. Um, in the Luke Skywalker scene, right? 
And so essentially mm. the empire is no longer a threat. This is five something years after the first order is not on the scene yet. So if Ahsoka meets Thrawn, presumably at some point in that show, which we believe she will, there will have to be some sort of dynamic. I, I, one of two things is going to happen. Either, either Thrawn's going to be commanding some portion of the Imperial Remnant, which I find unlikely. I agree with that. Um, which it's not based, legitimate enough. Based on, and this is a good transition. The, uh, the based on the the the, con- the the concept of his loyalty to Palpatine, like mm-hmm. the Aralani straight up tells him, like at the end of this book, like we need you to come back to the Ascendancy at right. some point, like we're, like. You're our best. You're our best soldier. You're our most important um, a commander. Like we're gonna need you to get here eventually. Right. And he's and he's like, no, my mission is not complete yet. Serving the empire. So presumably, like at some like my theory was like that uh, that scene where he jumps into hyperspace with the pergil could have been his perfect excuse to leave and go back to the ascendancy at that. Oh, point. I see. You know what I mean? Because he has plausible deniability to have essentially be been removed from his post by these right. pergil you know what i mean well and there's definitely a lot of conflict that's happening between him and palpatine and and i don't know your take on this but i don't think thrawn is terribly loyal to palpatine of course not okay perfect and then and because the, and i think what thrawn is loyal to is the idea of um order yes right and and right now the empire is the best bet for him in order to to ensure that order is happening across the galaxy i think as soon as he feels like order is not there then i feel like he's out and and that's why i don't think he's done what some of the other um admirals or moffs have done after you know the empire's disbanded he, he wouldn't gain anything from he that. wouldn't gain he'd be a tiny little drug lord somewhere and he would be doing nothing whereas he's got the entire chiss ascendancy somewhere right where he can join again and and the chiss they don't care if Coruscant is burning. Like, no, they, they don't. They, they, and which is fine. It sounds like they're they're bad for that, but that, that's just not their thing. They just want to make sure that they're okay in their area of space, right? So I think I think that theory is very reasonable. I really hope that they get into how Ezra and Thrawn either team up or cut ties. I don't think I don't think either one of them would kill each other after they're pulled into hyperspace well, and the interesting dynamic there is like literally they are the one to my knowledge the one group who's ever bested him I so there would probably be a level of respect there you know what i probably mean probably so yeah and, and but like in his conversations with palpatine they're they're kind of awkward they're like super awkward like every time he straight up says like like who are you serving like he always says like both Right, like he just says both. Like I, I do what what I am doing is in the best interest of both the Chiss Ascendancy yeah. and the Galactic Empire. Like he never actually just like he won't even lie because he then, has too much honor to lie. Like he, he won't he won't even just look at him and be like, yeah, I'm I'm with you, bro. Like he and just, then, yeah, yeah. And then Palpatine was is you know you could hear Palpatine's thoughts, which were really cool. And then he was he was thinking about how he's going to try and like turn Thrawn on the Chiss and 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 use him as almost like an enemy to the Chiss. Potentially. That scene was interesting. It was super interesting. He rapid fire goes. Yeah, because it's his thoughts. He mm-hmm. rapid fire goes through like four potential scenarios of what he could do with Thrawn. Right. Did you catch that? No, yeah. yeah. And, and that just goes to show like Palpatine thinks that he's in power still of everything when really that's probably not the case. Thrawn, Thrawn is an ultimate character. He's an ultimate character and Timothy Zahn did such a good job with him. And, and they did such a good job. It's kind of funny because as we were talking, I was just thinking like, man, we've talked a lot about Rebels. And, and that's one of the things that I love about Star Wars is 
everything matters. Everything should matter, right? Everything that's happened in this, in this book matters to Rebels, which then matters to the Ahsoka series down the road, which matters to Mandalorian. And, and, and again, not to beat a dead horse, I think that's what gets lost in the new in the new movies, seven, eight, nine. Oh, so, sure. so the fact that, that Timothy Zahn did such a good job um, coordinating this with Rebels and how they just met beautifully uh, is so cool. And it was really neat to kind of, as you're like listening to the book, to realize the timeline. You're like, holy cow, this is right before the season finale of Rebels. And it's really cool for, for them to even talk about that. It's just incredible. Like, the, amount of, uh, the amount of effort that they put into the plot of Star Wars is amazing. Rebels is, on my rewatch, quickly becoming one of my favorite bits yeah. of Star Wars content. <clears throat> like it just... The level of detail they put into like little things like, oh, like these are TIE fighters that have been repurposed for the mining guild and they're painted right. yellow and they have like different solar panels on right. them. Or like, or like this is, uh, you know, in the Imperial fleet here are the different levels of ships that uh, a commander might have uh, control over. Right. You know, it's not just a Star Destroyer. There are these smaller freighters. There are these like kind of mid-sized like Corvette type ships that have these three massive engines on them. Like there's, they just go, they go deep into the understanding of the Imperial hierarchy. You even learned about that on Lothal. Like, okay, this is Governor Price. Well, this is her, uh, like her, I can't remember what she's called, but the blonde-haired chick, the one who dies when she blows up in that car. Like, she's the representative who represents... You just learn a lot about the the nitty-gritty details of of the Empire and and how it was all put together. Well, and what's really cool, too, is... We 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 know the Tie Defender exists, right? That's a huge that's a huge plot point in this book. It's a huge plot point in Rebels. But then all of a sudden, the Tie Defender kind of ceases to exist for for what we know about it. Like right, so and it's because of, they never had the funding. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so cool because that that was probably an afterthought that really good writing helped cover up, mm-hmm. right? No, and that's absolutely. what's so cool about Star Wars. And I hate to say it versus versus like Marvel. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> say it. The but like to to put a bow on the on the Palpatine thing. Like I just I thought it was a really really interesting move because you know it's Palpatine essentially putting it on the back burner. It's Palpatine right. going like, hmm, I'm not sure about this Thrawn guy, but we'll get to this later. Right, and then later never comes because right. he gets killed. Well, and he's know? like, and you got to go deal with the rebels, Phoenix Squadron. Exactly, like it's time for you to go deal with with Phoenix Squadron. So like, it kind of like sets the stage for this open because like essentially when he gets uh, picked up off of that planet in the first book, he's mm-hmm. brought before Palpatine and he makes his oath of loyalty to Palpatine. Um, and f- from that point, he's serving Palpatine. When Palpatine ceases to exist, when the Empire ceases to exist, naturally we can assume that Thrawn's loyalties shift to the um, to the Ascendancy. Yeah. Do you think Ahsoka wants to find Thrawn for the purpose of finding Ezra? Mm. Because it's Ahsoka would not be wanting revenge. I can't think of any reason because hmm. he's not active with the Empire at that point. I, it, presumably the only reason she's searching for Thrawn is strictly to find Ezra because that was his last known contact, which yeah. I think would be really interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's just one of those things that just go hand in hand. You can't, I don't think you can search for Ezra without searching for Thrawn at that point. And again, I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Thrawn. I don't think, so who knows? Thrawn could never even show up again. Right, that could be the end of Thrawn, but mm-hmm. I highly doubt that that's going to happen. He's too good of a character. Oh, well, he's, he has to show. The, the Ahsoka hint was too intentional, right? 
Yeah, I know. I think so. And then they've yeah. wrote, they've written six Thrawn books in the last six years. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. Like, they've got to no, be doing something. I agree. Something I with agree. Them. But it's going to be really interesting to see if, like, because right now I envision Thrawn and Ezra sitting on some random planet next to a campfire talking about theories and, and, and how to and well and how to like better the galaxy right like that, yeah. that's what i envision is happening which is probably so incorrect but honestly like what else are they going to be doing <laughs> they're out they're they're outcast into who knows where space no it's right? true so it just what's what's annoying about it is it's it's the cap that's been put on that entire um it's the cap that's been put on that entire storyline like they can't have Ahsoka and and Thrawn run off to save the galaxy together because the First Order happens 25 years later. Like, I you, see. Yeah. You trap yourself under the narrative weight of what you do in the major movies, and they just did so much damage to that with the major movies <laughs> that, it's, that it's just disappointing. <laughs> it's so sad. But, um, but anyway, the other potential outcome there is um, essentially Ahsoka finds Thrawn. Yeah. And Thrawn basically says, I haven't worked for the Empire since what happened on Lothal that day. Yeah. Um, I am working with the Ascendancy again, and I am knee-deep in this Grisk problem. Will you help me? They yeah. Are go- they are going to attack the New Republic. And yeah. then essentially that could be, gosh, can you imagine how much they could get into with that? Oh, it uh, could be dude. incredible. Can oh, you imagine dude. too if, if Thrawn, because Thrawn's always, he's kind of a, a good villain, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if Thrawn was, was titled just like a, um, like a good guy? Just good guy Thrawn. But so, so th- but that That'd was be so cool. That was the third thing I wanted to talk about. Like good guy Thrawn. He comes through for Commodore Pharaoh at the end. Thrawn is legitimately good, a good man. He yeah. literally says, "Like I did not let you get that assignment because it was beneath you. Right. You are too good of a commander to waste on anything less than a fleet. Right. So I got you the eleventh fleet. Like he is a good, honorable man. He is. Who he who? would not. He would not. Uh, he would not be the kind of person whose purposes would cross with Ahsoka's in a negative way. Right. They would be on the same page there. Right. Yeah. And and his, again, his whole entire idea is I'm going to be with the Empire right now because they're in power and I want order. Because lack of order creates, you know, small skirmishes, places, it creates death. Um, so yeah, I, I legitimately think that that Thrawn Thrawn is a good guy. Lola's over here trying to unplug our entire setup. <laughs> you gotta be careful. <laughs> it's okay. She's so funny. She came. She she had a fifty percent chance of ruining the show by click, uh, kicking the outlets, oh, and she got the right one, so we're good. If she got the other one, it would have been a problem. What do you think about? the space battles because there's Dude, incredible so detail put into those space battles. What, what, what I thought of the space battles is <clears throat> so when two people are sparring with each other, let's say with random weapons, a sword, a knife, a gun, it's extremely physical, right? So I try and punch you, you block me with your staff, whatever. And that's legitimately how the space battles were portrayed, right? So, so for example, um, Spoiler alert, which we've been deep into spoilers yes. at this point. Uh, near the end of the book, there's a battle legitimately between two Star Destroyers, uh, which is really, really cool to conceptualize uh, with Doctor. Or, uh, Doctor uh, with Admiral Well, technically Savit. between four Star Destroyers, three on one. True, yeah. true. But it's mainly Savit and versus Thrawn, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, and it talked about how Thrawn would use his... Tie fighters to essentially block ion cannon, ion cannons, uh, so then he his ship wouldn't get hit by them, and then he could spar and then make his own move. Actually, no, was, he had Pharaoh do that for him. Yeah, this was the all time power. You're move right. Yeah, in I, Thrawn's career. I completely did not to even clear, set that up. To I, be clear, I, he 
he travels Gave that scene no justice in a shuttle yes to admiral savit's ship yes walks up to the bridge before savit can go down to meet him in the hangar bay right meets him in the bridge and goes and and Savit's got three star destroyers at his command, and goes. I'm here. Ba- basically, says I'm here to watch Commodore Pharaoh beat you because I've given her the plan to beat you. Yeah. And 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 Savit's like, I have three star destroyers. Yeah. That's Commodore Pharaoh. And he's like, oh, and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to do it without costing a single human life. Right. And like, and literally, he beats Commodore uh, or beats uh, Admiral Savit's fleet. By himself while while sitting on his bridge, <laughs> just like watching like, it. Just, just the all time power move. It's incredible, oh, dude. Yeah, and then they get into they get into um, use of items during these battles, which we've never seen before. Well, oh, right? like like lo- like lobbing. Oh, you're talking about like the tractor beam lobbing thing where they yeah. just shut the, the shut the machine off and just throw some shit. Yeah. The, so they the they talk about these grisk generators, which we might see being used in, in some of the more mainstream stuff, maybe Ahsoka. But essentially the grisk have these generators that they uh, cast out into space and they're cloaked. So what happens is essentially they're tiny gravity wells, so they can pull ships out of hyperspace lanes. Um, so then the Grisk can essentially prey on them or so they can mess up um, the Empire or whoever's ability to, to travel through space. So anyways, these, these generators exist and the Empire gets their hands on them or, or Thrawn gets their hands on them. And then what they end up doing is they use the generator in order to battle against the Grisk, and the Grisk were the, the creators of this this generator. So, in in one part, they they have the generator kind of like it seems like underneath their ship, and then they turn on their their tractor beam, and then they launch the generator past them, and then it's floating slowly. Yeah, it's like it'll be there in fifteen minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and then it slowly floats underneath one of the Grisk ship uh, ships, and then they use that to pull TIE Defenders out of hyperspace so then the TIE Defenders can fight against the Gris ships and be in a perfect spot where they can get pulled out of hyperspace but then be at a area in which they can attack the Gris ships. Yeah, they were literally it's using incredible. like they were literally using the uh, um the the little gravity well thing as like a like almost like a nav buoy to like yeah. bring the TIE Defenders like in and out of hyper it was so cool. And it was by incredible. the way, side, side note this is brought up in the beginning chapters of the Ascendancy uh, uh, Chaos Rising book. Like, uh, it's a known fact about hyperspace travel that you cannot jump to hyperspace within the gravity well of right. anything. Not just not just an interdictor cruiser, not just a grisk, uh, um, a gravity well, but also uh, in a planet. Uh, Which is within the gravity um, well again, and all I could think of is that stupid scene in fucking uh, in uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker where the hyperspace he's hyperspace skipping, and skipping. he's at one point like around a bunch of skyscrapers <laughs> on a planet. It drives I'm like, me Are you crazy. Me, it drives me crazy. If if people want to start an uprising with Jason and I right here right now and try and get those movies taken off the face of the earth, we are oh, down. Dude. Hit us up. <laughs> like they're just... so bad. They're, they're so bad. There's there it was careless. They're it was careless. careless. There's so much effort that so many people put into to, into creating Star Wars. George Lucas, right? John Favreau, um, uh, Dave Filoni, Timothy Zahn, like all these amazing minds who are creating Star Wars, and then it just gets dumped on by seven eight and nine by the guy who did star trek (laughs) look it's just so ridiculous like no rules oh my gosh it drives me crazy it hurts 
it hurts. Where do you? Was there any other notes you had on the Thrawn book that you wanted to get to? And by um, the way, guys, we're gonna have a lot more Thrawn. We're doing yeah. a, the Ascendancy trilogy right away. I've already got it. Luke is probably gonna start it today, so we'll definitely get into more. I Thrawn. think um, it's really cool because you know the the cultivating and furious. We already touched on that with with. Um, Pharaoh and then also and Eli, Eli Bunt. Which Go. it turns it turns out because there's another thing, very similar vibe. Eli is annoyed. Why did he send me to the ascendancy? They don't even give me a, the rank of anything other than lieutenant. Yeah. I'm tucked down looking through these numbers. Like what what's right. the deal with this? And then at the end of the book, Admiral Arlani reveals to Vanto <clears throat> that, hey, you're doing this. The data you're looking into is supposed to be what allows us to figure out what causes third sight to disappear yeah. in our navigators. So like and it is a basically Let's explain what third sight is. Yeah. So third sight is basically uh the premonitions and the force, the ability to see the future, right. which the Chiss navigator girls can use to navigate hyperspace lanes. Essentially, the Chiss depend on these navigator girls. Most of them are female for whatever reason. They don't know why. They're, yeah, they're all female and, between 7 and 14. Right? Yeah, and then yeah. They, they don't know why they have this ability or how they get it, and it tends to decrease over time. But it's it's a, it's a it's similar to that of the force. It's it's sort of like the force. Well, it is the force. It is the most force. Likely, yeah. It is the force. So and then they straight and up then say that in the second they, book. Yeah. yeah, they use it. They use that ability, and then they use the girls as navigators uh, versus traditional navigator systems. Um, let's see here. The only other thing that I wanted to talk about is I think, and this does. We don't need to get into the weeds on this, but uh, the Grisk I think are an ultimate villain because they're incredibly evil. There's a there's a part of the book where uh, one of the navigators talks to Eli Vanto and um, she pretty much asks him, he's like, she's like, hey, if, if we get taken over by the Grisk, will you kill me yeah, and my sisters? that's right. Because she's so fearful of the Grisk. And um, the Grisk appa- apparently had this ability to just cut deep into the conscious and the souls of the people that they're trying to, to take over. And she was so fearful of that happening that she wanted to be killed rather than be captured. And by Eli Christ. agreed. Yeah. And, and Eli agreed. And Admiral Arlani like kind of respected him for it at the end. Right. If you remember, which I thought was right. interesting. Right. And then, uh, the, the last thing is, um, Names for ships in Star Wars are incredible. Oh, they've they've always been so good. Yeah. So Millennium Falcon, um, uh, we've got the Thunder Wasp, yeah, right? The Thunder Wasp. Uh, what were some of the other ones? What's uh, Fire Drake. Yeah, the Fire Drake the is Fire Drake. ISD Fire Drake is uh, um, is that's uh, Admiral Savid's ship, right? Yeah. And yeah. then there's like I think it's called like the Mist Hunter. Yeah, Mist Hunter was one of the ones and on then, his flank. Um, and then what was it? I had a, a Stormbird. 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 That's right. Yeah, yeah they're tight. so cool. So that was my last thing I wanted to say. It just I was listening and just getting great enjoyment. You know when they're talking. What's about, Admiral Arlani's ship again? Um. Is that the first? It wasn't one that you as said? cool. No, the uh, Arlani's ship. I can't remember. I, I forget what it's called. It'll have to come to me. But yeah, even her her, her, her ship's name was super cool. But mm. they they put so much effort into naming these ships and making them cool. And <laughs> I, I really do appreciate it. Um, all right, guys. So we will be doing uh, more Thrawn in the coming weeks. Uh, Lord of the Rings comes out this week too. So just plan on like. Plan on like uh, every week getting an update on Game of Thrones, an update on Thrawn, and an update on uh, on Lord of the Rings. And uh, as always, we appreciate your guys' support, and we will see you next time. Thanks a lot.